Welcome to A Bigger Life, where you can break through the distractions, stop, listen, and speak to God in prayer. I'm Dave Cover. I want to help you use the Bible as your conversation with God so you can live a bigger life. look today at Psalm 106. I just want to look at the first five verses for now. It starts off with this phrase that we see a lot. In fact, we see it so many times it has become an English word. It's an English phrase that you hear a lot. Rarely do you hear it in the context of what it was meant. It's the term praise the Lord. Now you don't hear it that way. It's the Hebrew phrase hallelujah. That's Hebrew for praise Yahweh. The Yah there is a shortened form of Yahweh. Whenever something is used so many times in any language, it contracts and becomes more simpler to say. So instead of us saying, what is up, now we say, what's up, or even now, it's up. It's a way to contract the language, and hallelujah has been used so many times in the Hebrew language, it was contracted eventually, where Yahweh became Yah. Hallelujah is Hebrew for praise the I am, praise he is, praise Yahweh. Whenever a psalm starts this way, we have to remember the idea in Psalm 103, Psalm 104, where David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. In some sense, that phrase, hallelujah, is speaking to ourselves, speaking to our own soul at first, as much as saying anything to God. We're telling ourselves, we're telling our true selves. Our true selves is telling our brain, telling our whole being, all that is within me, to focus my praise right now. Focus my attention, my awe, my worship on the I am. Remember in Exodus chapter 34, when God revealed his name again to Moses, proclaimed his name again to Moses. Moses asked, show me your glory. God said, I can't. It would kill you. I'll do the next best thing. I will stand beside you and proclaim my name. And God proclaimed his name. And it says, Moses bowed with his face to the ground and worshiped. We're trying to do that in our own soul, in our own mind. We're bringing ourselves into this context where we recognize that God is standing right next to us by his Holy Spirit. He's actually within us, even. He is present all around us. And we are acknowledging the reality that we pretty much ignore all throughout our lives. But now we're coming in terms and we're recognizing we're lifting our head, just like the logo for this podcast. We are lifting our head and we're seeing with our imagination the unseen. We're seeing with the eyes of our heart, Paul says in Ephesians 1.18. And the logo sees this mountain coming down, and the mountain is upside down, the mountain of God. But we're the ones that are really upside down. It looks upside down to us, but we're the ones upside down, and we think we're right side up. Whenever we focus our attention, as David declared in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. When we say hallelujah, when we say praise Yahweh, we're speaking to ourselves to see right side up. We're looking up. We're looking vertically. Paul says, now we see dimly, but then we shall see face to face. But we're looking through this dim glass and we're wiping it a little bit with the eyes of our heart. And we're seeing the I am in a greater way in our soul. Praise the source of all that exists, the giver of all life, the one who is 100% present with me, 
the God who created this universe and created me and always is with me. He is the context of my every second. He is the giver of my every breath. His character is the reality of my every circumstance. I'm lifting up my eyes and seeing myself and seeing my life and seeing the narrative of my life, wiping this dim glass and seeing this presence of God that is normally upside down. I'm starting to see it right side up and every circumstance upside down that God is making right. God is redeeming. He's doing that in me and he wants to do that through me because he is bringing heaven back to earth. He is restoring this earth, restoring my life with his kingdom. And this upside down world and my upside down life is being turned right side up. That's the kingdom of God. And that's what we're doing in our heart, our soul, our mind a little bit each time we worship Yahweh, each time we worship the I am. So let's read verse one again. Praise the Lord. Praise Yahweh. Oh, give thanks to Yahweh. Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the I am for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. Remember when God revealed himself to Moses, he said, the Lord, the Lord, the I am, the I am, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping his steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is what God proclaimed to Moses, and it says in verse 8, and Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, we are a stiff-necked people, but pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. The more we see the reality of who God is, the more we fall to the ground and ask him, call upon him to take us as his people, take us into his kingdom, take us as his inheritance. And we give thanks to him because of his true character, his true nature. Constantly this upside down world is trying to hide the real God from us, trying to harden our heart toward the only one who created this universe and the only one who created us and the only one who is the giver of life, trying to keep us separate from him. But we remind ourselves in worship, we praise him and we give thanks that he is the I am and that he is good. His will for us is good. His plan for our lives is good. His purpose for me is good. His path for me is good. His future for me is good. And he is the only source of good. David said in Psalm 16:2, apart from you, there is no good. I have no good. There is no good. There is no good apart from the source of all of good, all that exists, all of life. God is the life-creating God. He is the good-creating God. We are in an upside-down world that has rebelled against our Creator, and we live in a mess that God is redeeming. God has committed Himself. It has already started by the resurrection of Jesus. The new creation has already begun in the resurrected body of Christ. It is happening. So we give thanks to the I Am, for He is good. We can trust that he is good. We can even now look through a glass dimly, wipe it a little cleaner as we worship through our imagination, and we declare to God as we lift our eyes, you are good. I give thanks to you, for you are good. Your will for me is good. I can trust you because I can trust your goodness. In spite of my circumstances, I know you have a plan that is good. You are giving me what is good. There is no good apart from you. Everything else apart from you is a dead end. Everything else apart from you is a pit. 
Only you are good, for your steadfast love endures forever. Forever, forever, your steadfast love endures forever. Only in you is there true love. Every other agenda for our lives is selfishness, somehow, in some way, based it in self-centeredness. But only God has a self-giving love, a steadfast love, a love that truly wants to give what is good. He doesn't need us. He created us because he is the life-creating God, and he created us to share his love, to live in his love, to live in his goodness. But he is the I am. He is perfectly self-sufficient. He doesn't need us in any way. He created us in order to give. And his steadfast love for us endures through all of our circumstances, endures through all of our sin, endures through all of our weaknesses, and it endures forever because he has become human in the person of Jesus to take our sins upon himself so that he could give us his life and give us his goodness and bring us into his steadfast love that endures forever bringing us into forever so that the forever God becomes our God forever. And we live in his steadfast love for us forever. And so we give thanks to the I am because he has done far more than we have any idea than we can possibly imagine his plan for us that is good, that is according to his steadfast love, according to his forever steadfast love, his enduring steadfast love. Hallelujah. Praise Yahweh. Praise the I am. Verse 3. Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Now, this might seem like a curveball, but it flows from everything we've been talking about. Justice is simply living inside God's goodness and his enduring steadfast love. When we observe justice, we are observing the reality of the right-side-up world, even though we live in an upside-down world. God's right-side-up world is coming, and his right-side-up world is bringing true justice and righteousness. So we're living within that narrative. We're believing that narrative as the narrative of our lives and the narrative that is the context of all of our relationships. So rather than treating people selfishly, self-centeredly, consuming them in some way for our own benefit. Instead, we treat people according to God's enduring goodness, his enduring steadfast love, and his rightness, his righteousness. We're doing righteousness at all times because righteousness is what we were created for. Righteousness is what satisfies. Righteousness is light and steadfast love and goodness, and it will endure forever. So it says, blessed are they who observe justice and do righteousness at all times. Blessed is, remember, the very first verse of the very first psalm in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. It all kicks off with that phrase. Blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, the law of Yahweh, the law of the I am, the law there being a euphemism in the Old Testament of the word of God, the will of God. We could say their delight is in the will of the I am. 
Blessed is, this is the path to happiness. Blessed is, like when Jesus says in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Nobody else will ultimately be satisfied except those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because the only thing that truly satisfies our soul created in the image of the righteous I am is righteousness. Only they will be satisfied who hunger and thirst for true righteousness. So we live within that narrative now. We want to live this blessed, this path to true happiness, this path to true satisfaction. Are they who observe justice and do righteousness at all times? Verse 4, remember me, O Lord. Remember me, the I am, when you show favor to your people. It reminds me of the thief on the cross, doesn't it? When he looked at Jesus and finally recognized who he was in some way because God had revealed it to him by his Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus said that to Peter, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed to you that I am the Christ, but my Father in heaven. When the thief on the cross looked at Jesus and he said, remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus promised him that he would be with him in paradise. We're saying something like that here in a thousand years before Jesus's life in Psalm 106, verse 4. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Remember me when you come in your kingdom. He says, let's read the whole verse instead of me interrupting. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Help me when you save them that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. Chosen ones in the Bible, when somebody is a chosen one, that means they've been set apart for God's purpose. They've been set apart for God's task. In many ways, it's synonymous to being a holy one, one who is set apart for God's holy purpose. The New Testament says that all those in Christ are ultimately chosen ones. I don't know all that that means, but I know that I never want to have this frozen chosen complacency where somehow I have this false confidence that I am chosen and therefore I'm good. I don't have to worry about, I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to have God's unconditional chosenness and then I live the life I want to live as if I'm finding satisfaction in my own will and then I'll take whatever God wants to bless me with after I die. That's that's a false narrative. That's living upside down completely. But I think we have this sense that being a chosen one is this humility that says, God, I want to be in your inheritance. I want to be in your people. I pray that you would remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Remember me. Choose me when you save them. That has this sense of humility that I need God to choose me. I can't ultimately be the one who decides. He decides. And I pray that he would remember me. I pray that he would bless me, that he would choose me. It's like that tax collector where Jesus said he beat his breast and barely could look up to heaven. And he said, have mercy on me, a sinner. Remember me, Lord. Choose me when you show favor to your people, when you save them that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may glory with your inheritance. There's that word glory again as a verb, that I would glory in your glory. To be God's inheritance, he, he is our inheritance and his people are his inheritance. That's how the kingdom of God works. He is our inheritance and we are his inheritance. And there is this promise of inheritance that has the idea of wealth and abounding steadfast love and goodness that endures forever in the presence of God. 
that I may glory in God's presence, that I may glory in his goodness, that I may glory in his steadfast love forever. And so we pray hallelujah, praise Yahweh, praise the I am, praise the one who is the source of all that exists, the one who is life itself, the one who is the life creating God. And I give thanks to you, Lord, because you are good. I give thanks to you because your will for me is good. I give thanks to you because I can trust your goodness. I can trust your plan. I can trust what you are doing. I can trust that it's according to your steadfast love that endures forever. I can trust in your steadfast love because you are the forever God who is my God forever. And so I bow my head to you and I worship you and I submit myself to you. I want to observe justice and do righteousness at all times. I want to treat everyone in my life, my spouse, my kids, my friends, those at work, the person in the car ahead of me, the person behind the counter, whoever it is, whatever it is, I want to treat them inside your goodness and inside your steadfast love, living in the true narrative that your kingdom is the kingdom that endures forever and it's coming and in this upside down world is going to be turned right side up, aligned with your kingdom. And I want to treat people like that now. That is the way of the path to true happiness and satisfaction is to treat people not with my consumption, not as a consumer, not as somebody who treats them according to my self-centered desires, but that I would treat them in the rightness of your steadfast love and goodness and righteousness. I give thanks to you that that is how you treat me, according to your steadfast love and your goodness, not according to your selfishness. You bless me so that I can be a blessing to others. You bless me so that I can treat people with your steadfast love and be an extension of your steadfast love to them, be an extension of your goodness to them. Living a life of giving thanks, a life of gratitude, a life of love, a life of joy because I know I am blessed by your steadfast love and your goodness that endures forever because you have brought me into your inheritance. You have brought me into your glory, and I want to glory in your glory forever, that I may look upon the prosperity of your chosen ones, and I pray that you would remember me and bring me into your saving people, bring me into your inheritance, that I may glory in your inheritance, that you would save me, that you would choose me, that you would remember me and bring me into this new humanity that you are creating in Christ, and that I would be part of this new community of those who look up even now and treat people with justice and righteousness, live a life of blessed righteousness, live a life of steadfast love and goodness and faithfulness, that I would live this life of gratitude, giving thanks to you that you have brought me into this better narrative, that you have chosen me by your mercy and by your grace, not according to something in me that is better than anybody, but just simply because of your mercy and your grace and your compassion. And I pray that you would remember me, that you would have mercy on me, that you would choose me, that I may glory with your inheritance, that I may glory in your beauty and your glory and your goodness and your abounding steadfast love forever. And I pray this in Jesus' name, the name of the I am, the name of the son you gave so that I could be your son, that we could be your children forever. 
in your kingdom forever, in your steadfast love forever, in your goodwill forever, that the forever God would be our God forever. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.